Hello and welcome back to the Essential Training Podcast with me, your host, Brian Kingston, and my dad, Ian Kingston. We have a coaching business called Essential Training, and this is our podcast where we'll talk about themes that have come up with our clients during the week or about life in general. So this week, we're talking a little bit about the story that we carry for ourselves and how we've seen that impact our clients and ourselves recently. So I hope you enjoy and here's the episode. Part of what we carry is the stories we carry and how we carry our stories, how we see life through our stories. So if I think of everyone I've met this week, they're ranging from mothers in business, entrepreneurs who've already reached financial independence, entrepreneurs who've taken in investors and are going for broke over the next two to three years, people who've taken on new roles, people who are at crossroads in their roles. And the common theme that comes up with everyone I talk to is the story they tell themselves and how they bring their story. So that's what comes up for me is how, how when we are killing that story to ourselves, then how the world it's almost how the universe conspires then to bring everything around us to almost support the way we're telling ourselves the story. And we're a lawyer who is feeling anxious and overwhelmed in the role he's in. And he can talk about the business he's in and how everyone is feeling the same. Nearly everyone he's spoken to this week, for example, the way he said it was, you know, the mood, the mood in the business is very low. And I said, well, I'm just listening to the story. And that's the story. The story is he's anxious and he's anxious to the point of a couple of mornings. He has been ill, waking up physically ill. And obviously he's not happy with that. He's not happy. So he's thinking of changing. Then as we talk through it, what becomes apparent is there's a cycle to this. And his partner has said to him, this is a regular cycle. There's an existential crisis every year or two. And as he said that out, he then said, and the reason I left my last job was to get a better balance. Back to the story. The story he's telling himself now is that he's out of balance and he's feeling that anxiety again. Well, what I hear from that is whatever's going on in the two businesses, the pattern is with himself. And you don't have to be a genius to be working that out. But because he's saying it out loud, he's hearing himself tell his story. And as someone namely me, is listening to the story and reflecting it back and going, well, that's interesting. So so when you say to me that the mood is low in your business, would everyone feel the same? You said, I'm, that's just a general thing. I said, wow, I bet you outside of your circle right now, I could meet five people at your level and excited your business is offering. He gave a rice smile. We were using different kind of language, a bit more explicit. I said, like, there are people who are wildly excited right now at the opportunities they're getting and the exposure they're getting and the learning they're getting because of the way you're telling yourself your story you're attracting with a similar story and that's what you're going to find from his point of view it's not that it's his fault that this is happening it's about perspective it's about story and how you carry your story is there a situation where the environment that i'm in is a toxic environment that is not conducive to me Telling a good story to myself. But the first thing you got to do is recognize the story. In his case, it may well be that this isn't the right environment. For him, but because of the way he's bringing himself right now, he has no hope of being the right environment. 
the first thing we've got to do is recognize how we bring ourselves through our story. What I've learned from you in the past through working with different clients is you're not going to get well by approaching the same situation with the same mindset that you're in. So how can he get well first and then make decisions on if he's going to stay or if he goes? Because if he's approaching, let's say, a job search from that sick stomach mindset, it's just going to create more of the same. And he knows he's not going changing job right now. And the reality for him is facing up to the story of how he's bringing himself to this environment, who he is in it. So the story he has, he reckons as we talk through stuff that he has some unresolved things in his personal life, simple things. No, no, like nothing majorly dramatic. But again, it's like kind of, I haven't, I haven't actually dealt with it. And so therefore it adds to the anxiety then when things look like they're out of kilter. Simple techniques around breathing, around nutrition, around rest, around how you take work on. Brené Brown did a podcast way back at the start of COVID and she called it overfunction. That's not her term. She took that from someone else. But it's how lots of us have a particular behavior. We take on responsibility and we'll take on too much responsibility. So from a work point of view, we'll, we'll delegate won't delegate effectively or will hold on to the important work to get done and wonder then why all the responsibility is back on us. That was part of the chap's story today. Like, I got to get people to step up more and I'm carrying lots of stuff here. But the answer to that is, well, you carry it, people will allow you to carry it. So what are you going to delegate? What are you going to let off? I'm hoping, as I'm saying this to you, you start to understand it. As his story unravels, he starts to see it's not just one thing. It's not just, oh, the place is so busy. It's like, how do I delegate work? What do I count as important? Where do I give myself space? Have I techniques that allow me to switch off? Resting properly? Am I eating properly? Am I breathing properly? Am I taking enough exercise? So balance in life isn't about, like, oh, I surely have to work X amount of hours and half work, half play. Balance for me is about doing things that help each other. So rest helps you to recover, helps you to do better work, tires you, gives you satisfaction, gives you a sense of achievement. Exercise, call my mountain bike in my etch a sketch. So where do you get to wipe your brain? Go for a run, go for a walk, go for a swim, playing with your children, walking the dog. So what I find and I'm just using this guy as a typical example because he's me, he's you, he's us in all sorts of ways, that when we do get, I'm going to use the language of out of kilter, what I find is that's when we don't exercise enough. That's when we don't eat properly. That's when we don't get the right sleep and one starts feeding into another. Yeah, it reminds me of that documentary Stutz that Jonah Hill was interviewing his therapist and he said to focus on your life force which I really like. So your life could be a mess, but how can you focus on your life force? So sleep, food, exercise, diet. And I know for myself in times where of major stress or life decisions, I remember I went through a period of insomnia once. I found it really hard to focus on my life force because I knew when I was going to bed that sleep wasn't going to happen because I felt so out of kilter, as you said. And it felt like everything I was doing 
was contributing to the out of kilterness. Now, what I ended up doing was making a decision to come home. And after you saw it, after a week or two, my sleep was back on track. And that was a building block to getting everything else back on track. So I suppose I did make a decision eventually. But those weeks, it felt like you've talked before about, you know, when you're working with a client or anybody, you have a conversation and they say, oh, I'll do anything to change. And what does meat love say? I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. I would say nine times out of 10, when I hear someone say to me, I would do anything to get rid of this or to change this. Nine times out of 10, they have no intention of it. And that's how we carry our story. That's how we say, yeah, I know what you're saying. I should do more of this, but, you know, or as typically is said to me and was said to me today, I know all this stuff. Will you put me into action? That was a frustrating thing for me is because I feel like I've been advocating for men's mental health all my life and talking and therapy and exercise and good diet. And then I went through a really difficult period with my mental health. So same thing. I was like, I know all this stuff. You know, it was almost more frustrating and there was more shame and guilt on top of it because I was like, I should, how can I be a coach if I can't even get myself sorted? You know, there was all these narratives. It was almost more compounding because of everything that I knew, the sea swims, the whole food diet. But I suppose the big thing for me is I wasn't getting time with my close family, which was massively nourishing to me. And I was trying to make a life for myself in a place that wasn't close to a lot of the people that I love. And I think that was the realization for me. It just took longer than I expected. It's a great example of being conscious or not being conscious. So very often what we're doing is giving someone the opportunity to say something out loud. So when you got the opportunity to say out loud what was going on for you, you could then actually hear it. Someone didn't have to fix you because you didn't need fixing. You weren't broken. You got to hear how you were telling yourself a story. What I witnessed with you, as I witnessed with others, as I witnessed with me, is that when I actually put my story out there out loud and I hear it, I can hear the truth or the madness of it. When you're not consciously putting it out there, we're not even taking notice. You're, you're now saying like you were away from home and you needed stuff. You didn't know that until you started talking out where, where you were at and what you were doing and what you wanted and what you were feeling. As you then put your story out there, as you're telling it, chose friends, family, coach, whomever, and you're the coach who's asking it. So what is it you want? And it's because you were having to answer your coach, you were actually becoming more conscious of what you were saying to yourself. Yeah. Like I did an exercise going through that difficult period and it was like, list out what your values are. And my values were family and friends and living 8,000 miles away from that made me, it was very stark immediately that the thing at the top of my values, I was clearly living a life not aligned to that. When you become conscious of that, sometimes you become conscious of the story you're living. And sometimes we become conscious of how we're living a story that's actually in the past and we're trying to solve things from our past. It's just how we hold on to things. And because they've been given labels like, no, that's a trauma so I have. or So we carry this as a part of our story that we relive every day, even though it happened just 30 years ago. And the happening need not be massive. Yeah, I made a mistake in my first job. Oh, I've repeated that. That's kind of what I do. I'm not good on this. I'm not good with that. And we carry it through. I came across a lovely quote by a guy called Sidney Banks on living in the past. He talks about dealing with memories of the past, trying to blow out a light bulb, going back into the past 
you're never going to deal with it. No more than just trying to blow a light bulb is going to turn it off. I recognize as you share your part, you became conscious of your story and you then had to take action on realigning your story to actually be a story that suits you. And we walked around the mountain a lot and getting to chat about those things. I always felt lighter after those conversations. And it was cool for me because I felt like I got to experience what your clients get to experience, you know, in coaching sessions and on walks. And, you know, at times I felt like I'd get to talk to my dad and at times I get to talk to him with 30 years more life experience. And sometimes it's a friend. And it was funny because I was with a client yesterday, a client of ours, and he described what you do as, and I haven't told you this yet, he described what you do as a dog walker for humans, which I thought was so funny. <laughs> you can imagine a CEO with their senior leadership team going, geez, they need to be taken for a couple of walks. Like, you know, I'm not walking them enough and I can't do it because I'm doing other stuff. So Ian Kingston, he'll take them out for a few walks. Like, And then I was like, yeah, and brings the poo bag for all the shit that gets talked about. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's a great metaphor, isn't it? It's not about top therapy. It's not about someone fixing it because no one's broken. It's not about like someone having the answers. It's actually about recognizing the story you're telling yourself and looking at that story in a way, hearing that story in a way, feeling that story in a way. So when you share what you shared, it was quite obviously a story that wasn't suiting it. But what we do is we try and justify the bits of the story. So if someone says, why don't you just do it at so? And you go, it's not, it's not as easy as that. And that's not the issue anyway. We hold on to bits of our story. And so are people's story incorrect? They're just a story. It's just a story. There's no right or wrong. It's just a story. And it's just understanding that it's a story from a perspective. That story can be changed. We almost hold it as a virtue that we don't change. We're changing by the second. To me, to be an embarrassment to meet someone who says, Jesus, I knew you 30 years ago and you haven't changed a bit. To me, curiosity is all the time being conscious, attempting to be conscious of what you're carrying, who you're carrying. I'm working with that client in a couple of weeks with their grads and what he said would be very useful to instill in these new young employees is curiosity to be able to have conversations with people in different functions of the business, see the bigger picture of the job, the role that they do within the business, to see where they can take themselves within the business and beyond. And curiosity will help them ask the stupid questions that they think that will make them look stupid. But actually, when they ask the question, there might be four other people in the room or in the Zoom that don't know the answer either, but they had the confidence to ask the stupid question. It's like when you said, you know, is it wrong to have a story or the story wrong? It's when you realize everyone has a story, then you realize everyone is doing the best they can, given how they're playing a story to themselves. Like everyone is doing the best they can, given the thinking that they have that looks real to them. Well, that was one of the Ericksonian principles when I was doing my coaching training. Milton Erickson, the psychologist, had five fundamental principles. And one of them was, and this is the fit principles that, well, the therapist or the psychologist that he was working with, but me as a coach, that we hold in our minds when we're interacting with anyone really is, people have fundamentally good intentions and they're doing the best with the tools that they have at the time. Those two of those five fundamental principles I found really useful because it's allowed me to release a lot of judgment when I'm working with someone. I'm like, oh, okay, they're doing the best with what they've got. And I'm doing the best with what I've got. It really helped me as well. And like that Ron Regar quote that we quoted a few weeks ago, you know. We didn't know any better then. We know an awful lot better now. Yeah. 
And that's a constant process. And as I hear that, the only thing I would pick up on is that everyone has a good intention. I wouldn't even put that into it. I would just say that people are doing the best they can, given how they carry the story that they have. When you say like everyone has the best intention, loads of people can show you loads of examples where someone doesn't have a good intention. Mm. <laughs> they're just, they just look like they're evil. Whereas when you say something like they're doing the best that they can, given how they see the world, that's not excusing bad behavior, but it's just saying what it is saying is that bad behavior isn't someone having a good intention. It's someone doing the best they can to grapple with what they have. They see a story in a particular way. They think the world is out for them. They think that the way to get on is to be the toughest, is to be the meanest, is to be the hardest, is to be the fastest, is to be the smartest, the whatever. That's something you and I have spoken about that we have encountered in in our short time working together over the last year is how some people have to be the smartest person in the room. And when they're the smartest person in the room, that's how they're seeing it through their filter. They believe that that's what they've got to show and they've got to prove that. And they're doing that 99 times out of 100. They're doing it unconsciously on a regular basis. People just camping down, shutting up, not being their full potential around people like that. Because why would you? You're going to be the smartest person in the room. So let's just wait for you to see what you say. So that's what I mean about how we carry our story. It's that are doing the best we can with just the piece we have, the piece we have of the thinking we have. So, you know, as we close out this conversation, what would you say to someone around how they're carrying their story that could maybe benefit them reflecting on it after they listen to this conversation? First thing to do is become conscious of the story you're carrying. And that's as simple as noticing the language you use to describe yourself, describe your actions, describe your behavior. Or why witness that as people saying, I am like, I'm not good on detail. Or, I'm a bit scatty on that. Or oh, I'm a perfectionist. Or oh, I'm a fucking nerd. Or oh, I'm a neat freak. And we use descriptors on ourselves unconsciously or behavior then. So I'm already, I'm putting, I'm putting my perfectionism out there in front of me getting annoyed when you're not doing things the way I want you to do them and me having to control it and me wanting to be on top. So that's the first thing I would say. Start to become conscious of how you're telling yourself a story. Just become conscious of the language you're using around yourself, about yourself. A really simple thing, like if you just on a happy scale of feeling contented, feeling at peace from zero to 10, where are you on a scale for yourself? Allow yourself to feel, how do you feel? The story isn't suiting you. You'll know that the scale isn't heading up towards the heights of the things. To start with, where am I on the scale? Yeah, and it's interesting how just becoming conscious of something can do a lot. You know, I was reading the that book that you recommended and gave to me, the, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, the Horse. And one of the pages said, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to be kind to yourself. And that seems relevant to me in terms of how we carry our story. So I think that's a, a nice natural part to to leave on and I'll certainly be reflecting on that uh, between now and our next podcast well there you have it thank you for listening to this week's episode of the essential training podcast with me Brian Kingston and my dad Ian Kingston as dad says hope it brought something up for you and gave you a chance to reflect on your own work and your own life we'll see you again next Thursday and as always we're open to any feedback or suggestions you might have what you liked about it what you think could be better maybe some suggestions for guests, suggestions for topics as well. So thanks a million for listening and we will see you or you'll hear us next week.